you so much for doing that. Um, tonight, the art of storytelling takes place in many cultures within ceremony and season. Um, more, I, I would say more in, in the spaces of like art tech currently. Um, storytelling is also a space that lends uh, opportunity for advocacy and resistance, providing representation for historical and generational trauma, um, as well as calling attention to the most current forms of systemic oppression. Um, this is essentially where tonight's theme developed out of an opportunity that I had to review um, a colleague, an indigenous woman's framework or model of training for a company and organization that reached out to her and said, you know, we're having some significant um, issues or occurrences related to the death of George Floyd and really want to learn about and maybe an indigenous perspective of how to um, bring attention and awareness to it and take some steps towards resolution and providing space for our employees and what they're going through. So I thought that was really interesting. But um, what it allowed me to do was open up space within me to connect to the vulnerability of being a human, um, reflecting on how I was rooted in my community and what it means to be invested as a Hopi member. Uh, my contributions, my investments, my identity, and understanding that to be Hopi um, in the realities of living in a Western colonial world, um, how that makes me feel. And while I won't ever be able to understand what it's like to be the man or the community of George Floyd. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was putting myself in a position to, I guess, best represent what that meant moving into this transition of this opportunity for storytelling. And so um, we came, or I came to the thought around, I was driving into campus one day and really thinking about um, the man, right, and what he went through, his lived experience and that trauma that he was experiencing and the three words, I can't breathe. And so when I was thinking through that, I, I connected to my own experience as a Native Hopi woman leaving my community, but also, um, as I stated earlier, just being in these multiple worlds, multiple lenses that sometimes it's really hard to breathe as a native indigenous woman um, in spaces where you don't, you're not sure about who you are. So at 18 years of age, I left home with the full intention not to return. I thought that success was outside of my reservation where there were opportunities, there was economic development, there were stores and movie theaters and libraries and, and education. And so I left home when I was 18, fully intending not to come back. Um, I thought that's what I was going to do. And when I think through that, sometimes this is how many Native Indigenous people feel because we still exist within the confines of federal policy. We're still living on reservations that are a form of genocide, termination, and erasure um, on the very reservations that lack infrastructure, economic development, capacity, and they're every day being depleted of natural resources because they negotiated rights away um, when they didn't fully understand what they were doing. Returning home in my 30s was very intentional. I was going home armed with an education and experience, and I thought, 
hey, I, you know, I've been in the education sector for a little bit, had really great mentors, um, was in classrooms with 30 plus kids, um, worked with ELL students, uh, SEI, like, you know, I just thought that I, I knew what I was doing and I was capable and I had gone home. I went, um, to teach for a while and then I moved back to Tucson and stayed for three years for admin, um, got more experience and then went home with, at that time, what I thought was going to be for good. And so um, going home is also not easy. Um, you're met with the same sort of resistance that you're, you step into when you leave home, when it's the most uncomfortable and you're not sure where you belong. Um, being on a college campus or being in a store or taking on new employment and you just don't fit in and you're trying to figure that out. And so going home, you're met with that same resistance, literally. Um, a lot of my friends reached out and asked me, or when I would go and visit, would just be happy to connect with me. And for the years that I was in the city, they were my system of support. And they would you know, just be happy to be asking, how are you? How's everything going? How are the kids? Um, how's your job, you know, in this full on excitement. And I, I hope that all of you can resonate with that feeling of having that type of community for you, um, that they're so happy to see you be successful and to move on into the next journey. And so, um, my best friend at the time, which was non-Indigenous and had been a mentor to me, um, an educational leader, she knew all the things about what was going wrong or what was really tough or what was challenging or the fears I had and what I was being met with at home. And so the joke between our, my friends were that the Hopi, they eat their young because that's what it was like. It was, you were constantly trying to prove yourself to your own community to come home. In returning in my 30s, while it was an intentional act, um, and I had a strong desire to step into roles that were both expected of me as well as the others that I wanted to cultivate as a woman, as a mother, um, and ceremonially, there are things that I wouldn't have been able to do had I stayed in the city and not gone home to fully engage in those types of activities or give of myself and my time and also offer that space to my children. And so felt like I was ready, but there's also a lot of unresolved systemic issues layered in historical trauma that none of us are ready for. Um, sometimes you move from one office to another or you move um, location on a reservation or the cities around you and that trauma is still very much alive. Um, I spent more than half of my time at home just building up building up to reconnecting to my own values as a Hopi, but also in building a system of support, the same support that I had in Tucson. When you disconnect from those places and you're hours and hundreds of miles away, um, you have to figure it out. You know, For a while, they stay in touch. For a while, they're there for you, and um, they offer you that same support. But when you move into a new space, ultimately it's your responsibility to figure out if you're going to maintain that collectively or you're going to let a little bit of that go and cultivate a new s system of support, and that's what I had to do. And so um, 
I think it was the hardest thing for me to do and to even keep up with was cultivating that. There are times when there's not enough time to do that. So reaching out and just having conversations, asking people to have tea with you. And that was foreign for my friends at home, you know, spending time together in the ways that I did with my previous system of support. But 12 years later, um, this opportunity here at the University of San Diego popped up and I made sure that I carefully and thoroughly evaluated what that meant because it would mean another move, but also a separation and disconnecting from my community, my culture, from responsibilities to ceremony and to my children and my and my family. Um, that That's what I would be doing. And so... I fully felt like I was spiritually, personally, professionally um, in a place, a very peaceful place to take this leap and to take the opportunity. Um, I tend to think back and I used to think it was kind of hokey when, um, when I was younger and they would say, you know, go and get an education and come back and help your people. And you see it in a lot of books. And it's, it feels like it's being overdone or it's too simple or, you know, for me, that's how I took it. I'm not saying that everyone feels that way. Um, but as I took this leap, uh, I do go back to that. And I think it's a profound statement, you know, and you think back to the actual history of it. Now that you understand policy and you understand um, what federal policy has done to our people, and what it continues to do and breed in our communities, our reservations, and even in policy, whether it's federal, state, or local, um, what that does to us as, as human beings. And so at this juncture in my life, go learn, learn what they have to teach you and then come back and help your people. This was a little bit different because I'm not here trying to find myself um, I think going home really settled my soul and I know who I am. I know the values that I'm connected to. I know the community that I come from, that I'm better poised, better situated um, in my heart and my entire being to be here and take up space. Um, what those negotiations have taught us is that we don't, we, you know, our elders had negotiated Treaties had negotiated, you know, water rights, education, um, their land. And now we get to come here and we don't have to negotiate who we are. We know who we are. So this time it's very different. Um, I was sharing all the ways that when I came into this um, opportunity, I was sharing all the ways that I was who I am in order to be considered for a place at USD. And I felt ready to commit because I know that. Um, my lowest points of that decision are acknowledging that separation from family, community, ceremony, um, telling my children, <laughs> oh, I waited forever, telling my grandmother, I waited like a whole month. I spent so much time with her knowing that I was leaving. And then I told her and let her sit with it and... She was very angry. She was hurt.
I knew I needed to tell her, but it was just so hard. So I told her about a month, six weeks before I left, and it was enough time for her to be mad at me, (laughs) but me to show up every other day to have dinner with her, to have conversation, to take her on walks, to take her to town, to, uh, you know, if, because I was still working full time, um, to just go up and spend 30 minutes to an hour with her, watching her favorite shows and listening to her for her to come around and tell me that it was okay. (laughs) My friends and my community, I keep in touch through social media. And so they'll post pictures of her when she's in community. She's eating or she's visiting with friends. um, And that makes me happy because they're taking care of her. And that's the system of support that I built in order for me to be here and that life to be sustained when I'm not there I also gave up um, some of my responsibilities as a mother in ceremony and that shifted to my aunts to my sister, to my mom and to my community and I waited a really long time to tell my community actually most everybody found out when the announcement came from USD But the response from my community was, we'll be here for them. And I didn't have to say anything about it. It was just, you know, people sharing the announcement. And um, my family and my community, their clanships, they're my family in ceremony, they're my family in different places that I take up at home. I didn't have to say a word and that's what they that's what they came with was we'll take care of them don't worry about it you go and you do what you need to do. Um I am a grassroots community organizer at home. I you know work with the community and help represent their voice to tribal leadership to help develop policy to help hold our tribal leaders accountable our programs and development and do, hopefully do it in a very sentimental way where um, you show up both as the educated person but also someone in community that has the right words or at least has the right connections to help push those things forward so that you have positive change in your community and leaving an empty space at the table where there aren't many of us that have the time to do it or have the commitment or gosh, you know, the strength to do it. Um, That was very hard. My heart work is a very big part of me. So I came to this position accepting those losses and with a little bit of heartbreak for this transition. Um, But I'm here now and I'm navigating the spaces to do the work of building community here and being vulnerable. I miss home a lot. Um, but this time I'm able to offer seeds of resistance. We talk about resistance in the way of um, genocide and erasure and the intent of assimilation. But this time I get to offer that to our students. I get to offer that to faculty, to our community, to our public, to truly understand what it means to resist some of those issues and those systemic issues that are layered in historical trauma. Um And so with students that are finding their own way, their voice and their purpose, I'm hopeful that my time here is with great purpose. 
The more time I spend with students and campus partners, building community and collaborating in events like this, I find joy in the little bits of success and awareness and inspiration, and I can't leave here either. Um, the sacrifice for the greater good is always a vulnerable place to be. Honoring who we are is a daily act of resistance. Meeting our communities where they are is the grace that we give our past selves to create new opportunities for a better collective future. And at the end of the day, there's no separation of who I am because I'm here as a Hopi. I'm here as a mother, as a daughter, as a community member, giving without expectation, without being asked or required to do this with a good heart and pure intentions, just listening and observing and connecting to what's needed to create community and opportunities for students and our campus partners to ensure that our future generations have spaces to thrive. So that's me. Thank you.